0: Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Scofield and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Commander Rob Hansen, Nancy Hansen, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. back ladies and gentlemen i'm glad i just tuned in tonight to raise the <laughs> expectations myself i was having a little prayer and talking to the lord and uh thanking him for all of you so thanks for being with us tonight we've got a wonderful program for you tonight many of you have already shared with me that you have uh, checked it you know i've never done that before that's a first that's really good to do that so you've been following this week is uh put some social media out there for you and uh We've got Stephen Cobras with us tonight. You're going to enjoy meeting him. But like we always do, as we begin in the the beginning, uh, that was in the the scripture, so we kind of use it on our show. In the beginning, with our co-host, we've got some of the greatest people you could ever imagine. And uh, they're my friends. They bless my life every weekend, every day when I get to talk with them. First of all, my friend for over 50 years, Dr. Paul Hall, who is a retired pastor but not a retired theologian because he is always doing what, folks? (laughs) Theologing <laughs> through the week. There's no, there's no such word, but we made it up. And Webster will probably want the credit, so we'll let him have it. Well, how are you doing, brother?
1: I'm good. Thank you, Joe. Good to good. see you all.
0: Good to see all of you. Yeah, I hope you're doing well. Good. Amen. All right. And then all the way from the other side of the nation, from the Peach Station uh, State, I mean, uh, we have Craig and Stephanie Thayer. Dr. Craig is a, is a surgeon. He's also uh, a great man of God. He was a deacon in his church. And of course, Stephanie is a health and wellness coach who Helps you to understand what you should need to take care of yourself. And also, do you really know yourself? You can only know yourself through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they live it and they share it. And lives are changed because of them. And uh, then as we move back across, we just cover the nation. And uh, on our sound clip, you're going to hear his name next week as they're shifting that in, making a new production for us. But we have all the way from McKinney, Texas, Pastor Ron Greer. And uh, Ron has got a tremendous testimony. You've heard all about Ron. He has been uh he was in the uh, uh, the marines he was in the fire department. he ran for Congress uh, he's done just about everything. yeah, don't tell me. yeah, we need him. We'd run him for president because we know him but in any event, he's He's with us all the way from McKinney, Texas, and uh, Ron has the ability so often. He's just one of those guys that we all talk about when you talk with them and there's a need in your life. He just blesses you by the way he hears you. You Mm -hmm. know, sometimes when people are talking, they'll say to each other, "Uh, you didn't hear a word I said. And then somebody will smartly repeat back their words. But that's not communication, as we know. The communication is when the other person says, I feel that you understand what I said. Then something really took place. Ron has that gift. And so does Paul. Paul, oh, been a long time this way, I just love these guys. I go on and on the whole program about each and every one of you what you do, but tonight we want to introduce to you uh, all the way from Santa Rosa, California. yes, I knew that from Santa Rosa California, which isn 't far folks from Walnut Creek, just in case you're wondering but that's true all that's true all the way from Santa Rosa, we have Stephen Cavazud. And he is, as you've been reading, I think he's nationally known in insurance and particularly Medicare supplemental programs. Most of all, he's a great man of God. He loves the Lord. And he, too, shares from his heart. He listens, finds out what your need is. He's my not just my friend, but he's helped me incredibly as a senior with what uh, my insurance needs were for, for taking care of old Joe here. And he's just been incredible at this. He hears you. He knows what your needs are, and he helps you. It he helps to he meet those needs. And like we so often say, it's also good that he can help people with uh, with their families. I mean, you know, the kids need to help mom and dad know they're doing okay, too. And so it's across the board. He can help in so many ways that way. So uh, without any further ado, very professional introduction. You like that, Ron? That's really something. <laughs> further ado, we want to welcome to you all the way from Santa Rosa, California, Stephen Kavis, and Steve, thanks for being with us tonight. Welcome to Raising Expectations. We're glad you're with us.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Um, wow, what a great group of people Absolutely, uh, you have here. I, I feel humbled uh, by having these folks here and, and uh, just, you know, the opportunity to meet and, uh, and have a discussion. Really, um, it's, it's a busy time for us. This is what we call our open enrollment season. Um, most people think about tax planners and and that time frame that they have, and they just go down, and you never hear from them. They're in the crunching your numbers, and they come up with information. And most people get these big eyes and say, "I really owe that much money," and <laughs> and you do, <laughs> and and so um, you know that's very much um like the season that I'm in right now that started uh, October 15th so just a couple days ago um we kind of say uh, to our family we've learned this is my 10th year in this this line uh this industry uh and we kind of kiss our kids and grandkids and tell them we love you and our wife and we say we'll see you on Thanksgiving and then again on Christmas Oh, and it ha- it hasn't really gone over that well. So I've had to learn how to adjust and and remain open and and um and so when you said, "Hey Steve, could you join us?" <laughs> I, right. I said, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Quiet season. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but uh no, it's it's really good to be here because I know we talked about this a little bit, Joe. Um, over the last uh, couple of months or so, and and um, when we first met, um, I think there was a there's a, a system that we use to to generate um, contact with people, and and I'll talk a little bit about that. And I think it was your sister that um, initially uh, reached out, or somebody initially reached out, but we got connected and we started talking. And um and I, I could I could tell right away that there was something about who you were and the way that I felt in my communication was all over the phone with you that that we would have a you know some additional discussion and relationship down the road. And um so I I really appreciate uh I've come to appreciate who you are and And I, I looked, I think I checked into one of your podcasts once and, um, and, and I felt the Lord say, you know what, you need to support what what's happening here. And so without really any, any um, thing other than just saying yes to the Lord, when I hear him, I do my best, you know, I wanted to be a contributor to the show. So we contribute behind the scenes, um, you know, a little bit. Here and there that we can to help support what's happening, and um, so you know, I've, there's a lot to talk about. Um, I'll tell you, we um, we've got a pretty big work that we're doing with uh, what I call the aging population, or they like to be known as mature adults. There you go. Uh, they don't they don't like being called seniors. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do we hear an amen out there? Yes.
1: <laughs> um, um, Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of directions we could go today. And, and uh, you you said to me, um, Hey, Steve, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about your testimony. And uh, for me, that's, that's probably the most important thing. The place that I would like to start if, if yeah. you don't mind, and you probably have some questions, um, I've I heard that uh, Ron is, has uh, ran for different things, and I'm sure these folks have too. I, I ran, but it was more like a run. I, I, I ran from God, and uh, and uh, I ran pretty hard and fast in, in my teenage years. I was the fifth child of of, uh, of a family. My dad um, was an orphan at four years of age. Uh, his parents immigrated into the states. He had a big group of of uh, siblings, and um, he was the youngest. And his father, uh, well, his mother passed away, and his father um, said, "You know, I I can't take. I'm I'm new to this country. I, I can't take care of all of you." And he farmed them all out to foster homes, and orphanages. So uh, my father found himself living in foster homes, and and uh, and then eventually. Uh, Right here down south of us was raised in um, in an orphanage called St. Vincent's, run by German nuns. Now, you talk about discipline and a good education. (laughs) Uh, He's he's told me a story or two. Um, But, um, you know, he lived a good long life. He lived to, to 98 years of age. But when you start to get into your 40s, and you have a new new child, um, your energy level just isn't what it was when you were in your 20s. And uh, so I, you know, my dad and I uh, had, um, well, just a he he provided for us, he was a great provider, but there wasn't a lot of communication. I heard you say that in the beginning. And, uh, and so I kind of went to the streets and got my education, uh, in my, in my late teens. And I got myself into a lot of trouble Mm. and, and my mother, God bless her. She was, uh, she was fighting rounds of cancer Mm. and didn't have the strength, um, to spend time with me and, and, um, my, my oldest sister, it was kind of, we were the second batch of kids. So I found myself, um, very quickly, Gosh, in, in junior high, getting involved in drugs and um, and cutting school and just not having any concern or or desire to do anything with, with my life. I think my parents saw it. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of teenagers out there that, you know, can relate right now with not having a lot of parental guidance or um people in their lives and so I uh I my my folks moved they said you know we need to get out of this big city this was San Francisco that I was that I was born and raised in and so we moved up into the country thinking maybe a a change of scenery might might do me well and uh well I just further got into trouble it it didn't help I wasn't grounded um you know i did some things that i just wasn't proud of and um and i found myself um wanting to just fill my time with um medications, drinking, smoking, uh got involved in um hallucinogenics, uh freebasing cocaine and and things just went south fast. i had some drug overdoses um and uh, I felt really lost and lonely. And my sister invited me to um, go work in, in the farming community to just get away from things. And, and so I, at 16 years of age, I, I became a farmer. I, I went and worked on a ranch up in Northern California, farming rice. And I learned what hard work was. Uh, you, you get up at four o'clock in the morning and you work on the equipment. Till the crop is ready to harvest, and then you work by night, late at night, and uh, and then you just drag yourself to bed and, and start all over again. And so I learned I learned um, what farmers did and and that hard work, and I made some good money. Well, I decided to kind of go back and get involved with some of the crowd I was hanging around with, and somebody talked me into uh, an idea that I could take all that good money and 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 buy and sell, uh, weed, uh, and make a lot of money on the streets. (laughs) Well, well, that turned into, um, getting busted, uh, and arrested for the possession and sales of narcotics. God was good to me. He, he didn't allow me to actually sell anything, uh, (laughs) and make any money, but, but, uh, I quickly found myself um, in the court system, and uh, again, I had a sordid past. and And the judge told 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 me he said, "You know, he said, you're a troubled kid, and you got a couple of options." He said, uh, "You um, you can spend a little time in juvenile hall. We're going to give you uh, a little two year sentence in juvenile hall." Uh, and, um, and then, uh, we'll reevaluate whether or not we want you to be a resident in the County of Sonoma in the state of California. Mm-hmm. And so when I turned 18, they had to do something with me and, and, uh, I guess there was no reform, uh, just loneliness. And, uh, so they asked me to leave the state. So I, I moved to Hawaii where my brother was in the military and, and if you know anything about hawaii that's where they grow all that weed <laughs> and i found myself just further in trouble um so it, it it uh you know i just i just um i was lonely needy and um, so i moved back uh kind of snuck back into california didn't tell the judge or anybody and moved in with my parents and laid low and uh And my mom had uh, found the Lord some some years back in all of her trials when we lived up in the country. So that was a good move because my mother got away from distraction and she found the Lord and she became the patriarch of our family, patriarch and uh, in the Lord. And uh, that she she has a her, her whole family knows God. And so that's the lineage that God chose to just continue to grow. Um his word and, and, you know, bring about his promises to our family was through my mother's side. So she continued to, you know, encourage me to come to church with her. So finally, just out of desperation, I told her, all right, if you'll just quit asking me, (laughs) I'll, I'll go. Well, God knew what I needed. I attended this little church in San Francisco on Alamany Boulevard. I can't remember the pastor's name, but he, he taught something called hellfire and brimstone, and was teaching out of Romans, and it was a it was a teen challenge group that went to that church. So it was a bunch of young men and women who were in the same predicament that I were in, and uh, well, he just knew what I needed. So did the Holy Spirit, and uh, man, I got I got hit with a two by four, I was but twenty years of age. I had no idea what happened, but i I felt this compulsion to go up and receive what this gentleman was preaching and um uh, man, you just know when you know, amen from that day forward, I've never been the same amen <laughs> and uh he changed me in an instant, and my friends and my family couldn't believe it. <laughs> 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 because I was such a rascal um but you know I I had some dreams and visions he was good to me he knew what I needed um and uh and one of the things he put in my heart there was a couple of things and so this is why I know it's so his word is so true and he's so true Is he put in my heart to have a family because I felt like I I didn't have one I didn't I had a, I had brothers and sisters I had a mom and a dad, but it just didn't, I didn't feel connected, and uh, so he put me in a family, a church family, and he, and and so I started to grow and learn and, and meet other Christians and find out more about the Lord, um, and then he put in my heart to raise a family, and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about that, but it was in my heart, and so the scriptures that he would Share with me would be about filling your quiver with arrows and and all of these great scriptures. And I was going, okay, what does that mean? And so it wasn't be long before he brought um, uh, a couple of great gals. Uh, and what's funny is they pursued me. I didn't really have any desire any longer to pursue ladies. I just wanted to pursue God. But he kept bringing these gals in front of me, and I got marriage proposals. And I was like, isn't it supposed to be the other way around? I had two gals ask me, one came back, one that I used to know, she said, are we supposed to get married? And I was like, I don't know. Let's ask God. And she's like, "Ah, I guess not. She didn't want to ask God. And then I had another gal who was new, new Christian, and she proposed to me. And I said, I don't think so. I mean, I'm willing to explore it, but I don't think so. She just wanted to get married and I was like, I don't know. And then another gal came into my path and and uh and she took one look at me and she said, "I'm going to marry that man." And she went to our pastor and said, "I'm going to marry that guy." And we we were in a Christian ministry home and they quickly separated us. They moved her across town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smart pastor, <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, um, I ended up marrying uh, this beautiful woman in in uh, 1985. Just a few years later, after just basking in the Lord and learning to grow in God, um, being involved, my my heart was called to the streets. Uh, I did evangelism in the streets, preaching the word, just um. I went to Berkeley and preached on their campus. I had no idea what I was talking about. It was crazy. I did these skits in the streets. And, um, you know, I just I just wanted to go tell people about the Lord. So, um, you know, one of the ways that I interviewed this gal, uh, now my wife, Janet, beautiful bride, 35 years, 36 years, Um <laughs> I put it, God put it on my heart to raise a family. I said, well, how many kids do you want to have? She said, well, he's five. And I said, I do do. (laughs) (laughs) let's, let's do this. So eight kids later, we've got the eighth grandkid in, in the uh, oven right now. Um, My greatest joy and passion are my kids, my grandkids, um, and And then just taking action i'm not a I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, just going to tell you, but God is giving me this unique ability to take action, like He talks to me, and if I don't do it, I'm in trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um, you know, you have to start by feeding your family yeah. And so I, I jumped in, uh, I actually went to college and, and took, got a trade degree, spent three years learning the painting field. And so I was a and painting contractor for 25 years, fed my family, but there was something that was missing along the way was my ability to um, plan for the future because I was just spending so much time hand to mouth. And, to, and so somewhere around, oh gosh, about 2000, the Lord began to put on my heart. He's like, you need to do something different. You need to reinvent yourself. And I had no idea what it was, but my calling is, and has been to be vocationally to work with my hands, to lead teams, work with other people. And, um, and so, um, my dad encouraged me to get involved in like real estate or insurance. And so I set off in two years while I was working I went to night school and picked up licensing and accreditations. And, and so I was separated. Really. I felt like I went on a two year mission because I hardly saw my family working at day and school and by night. Uh, and, and so I knew I knew I needed to get serious. And so I quickly transitioned and I poured my heart and soul into it. And, uh, and one of the callings that God had given my wife and I during this time was that we were to be wealth producers for the kingdom of God. So that's an interesting call. It's hard to find in the scripture. Like, what does it mean to be a wealth producer and, and, to, and to sow back into the kingdom with, with our time and money? And, uh, and so um, I think he was, I had been in his school for a number of years where he taught us to trust him raising eight kids um, by providing exactly what we needed. Uh, And it generally came in the 11th hour. So God was, has been so faithful. He has always provided every need. And so we built our faith and always provided in that 11th hour. And so when we transitioned, we said, well, God, what do you want to do? You said, we were going to be wealth producers and we can, you know, it's beans and rice every night. So how can we help other people? Well, um he taught us a lot of different ways over the last 15 years that we've been transitioning into this, my wife and I. And um and I thought it was going to be um all gosh, uh you know, cake and honey. But what I quickly discovered was that I needed mentors. And I needed education. And I needed people to come around me that I could trust. And I needed principles to guide me, financial and and spiritual principles. So I'll wrap this up, John. I know it's getting long, but um, fast forward into this and about three, four years into this real estate, finance, education journey, um, I did quite well. Uh, I found myself earning a million dollars a year in income, so we went from beans and rice to making really good money. And the problem is is that I didn't have a good education, and I didn't really check the company that I was keeping. so about thirty six months into this, I found the FBI knocking on my door. They came to my house. And they wanted to question me. And they said, what can you tell us about this? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm just a salesperson. Yeah, but you're the number one salesperson. So you must know something about what this company or companies have been up to. And I said, I don't know, but I'm willing to talk to you about it. Well, all of a sudden, I got a call from the Securities and Exchange Commission. and they wanted to have some interviews with me because they said things that we were doing weren't licensed or regulated in states and different nations because we were expanding. And I was like, "Uh oh, does that mean I'm in trouble? And uh, and then all of a sudden, a grand jury wanted to interview. Me. And uh, and so. This the uh, the layers of the onions began to peel off. And the the people that were leading these companies are now sitting in federal prisons as we speak. Um, So earning a million dollars is one thing. Losing a million dollars is another. Um, But what I discovered, it's the journey that God wanted me to be on and the trust that he wanted me to have and the people that he wanted to teach me how to learn to surround myself with. And, um, and so I've, I've been very careful to select my, my mentors. And, you know, you still don't know until you get in the trenches and work with people who, who they really are. And so, um, I can tell you this field that I'm in now, um, has a lot of sordid characters. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what people think it really isn't. Um, this and, and the Lord told me to get in and serve and roll up my sleeves, and so everything fell apart in 2007. I mean, the whole industry fell apart real estate and insurance, but mine really fell apart. <laughs> I had to file bankruptcy. We didn't know where our next meal was going to come. We didn't make our mortgage payment for five years. I didn't know if my, my kids and I were going to be homeless living underneath the bridge. But we just trusted the Lord. Amen. So in 2011 and 12, God said, I said, Lord, what do you want us to do? He said, take that insurance license and go serve um, the senior population. Go serve that group of people. And I said, well, I don't know how to do it. He said, well, just begin. So. With 10 years under my belt, I set out to learn something something about this thing we call Medicare. And uh, what I discovered was there were very few people that could mentor me. There was no education. There's no courses, college courses. I, re- I reached out to hospitals, doctors, nurses, uh, insurance companies, and they had little bits of information, but just not enough to put the puzzle together. So I just have been trusting the Lord for the last 10 years to to figure out everything that I could. And God has put me in a really amazing position of service. My clients are our seniors. I love them because they're the most valuable. um, I don't even want to call them asset, but they're the most important part of our country and our nation. They've got the experience and they've got the testimonies and they've they've led and bled and have been the people that have forged what I'm building on and my kids are building on it's it's the history of our country. And and then my clients are other people who are passionate about the same mission that I've had and and I've, I've hired over 200 people on this journey, independent agents, and I've had to sort them out. And currently I have a team of 45 people who I feel have the same passion and mission of serving our, our communities. And it's easy to sort folks out because, well, you got to make money <laughs> and pay your bills. And it's okay, but you quickly find out whether people um, have a vision. And um, so um, I've built a training organization um, that filters out and trains people in my industry. And trust me, it's not easy to be in in the space that I'm in. Um, And I wouldn't be here if I hadn't come through all those uh, issues because it's a highly regulated industry. I have to be licensed with my state insurance license. Um, I have to be federally licensed, so I'm federally licensed with AHIP, and I have to do those certifications every year, and then I have to pass criminal and background checks every year with the insurance companies, and every month we have to run ourselves through databases because we're dealing with uh, private information, HIPAA, and and private uh, information of individuals, and how we protect that information and care for that as we do for um, our senior population. So God has put me under a microscope. (laughs) So anyway, uh, I could go on and on, but you know, I know uh, there's some, I know you have some questions and there's I think some important things that people need to know, especially during these times. um, That. that can give them some hope and, and some clarity and where to turn in times where they need information, because as we age and we hit that magic number, that maturity of 65, where we just kind of, one of my clients today who's 72, he said, he said, you've just joined a very unique group. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're 60 now. And he said, people like me in the seventies and eighties, we begin to trust guys like you. (laughs) Except for you. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, that's cool. Tell me more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's so boy, what a great testimony. We know I know we've shared how the Lord's walked with you all the way. And yeah, so many people we talk with and their kids too, who are what would they be guys in their fifties and mom and dad are in their 70s or and they wonder how they're doing. And uh uh anybody have a question? That it, it you wanted to ask. Well, you could see why this guy's special. Why? Like, yeah, wrong. that's wrong.
2: <laughs> I, I have a question because I just experienced that nightmare <laughs> just this year. Uh, I'm one of those brain dead people who forget how old I am and <laughs> didn't, didn't think anything about Social Security or Medicare at all. I was we were taking care of my our, our, my wife's mom, dealing with all kinds of medical stuff and insurance, but somehow it never occurred to me. That is my turn. Uh, but found out that there's a deadline that you have to apply for your Social Security and your Medicare. Otherwise, there's a penalty. So two things uh, share with us. Uh, what's the deadline for your which birthday you need to <laughs> apply by? And number two, what's the penalty if you don't apply? And then number three, if you could briefly explain to us the alphabets.
1: Uh-huh. A, B, C,
2: D. G and then the, the old advantage thing, uh, <laughs> because no one at Social Security can give you a straight answer, and the Medicare true. people, everybody I talk to, gives me different
1: answers. <laughs> it's true. It's it's so true. That's a great question, question, Ron. So um, there's 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 a few questions there. I'll I'll start with um, the one that you asked is timelines. So there's something that each and every one of us have done. We've paid into Social Security, Medicare, and um, and so it's a deduction, and we do forget about it. It comes out of a paycheck if we were W two uh, employees, or if we we're 1099 self employed people. We paid that uh, Social Security income uh, tax of about seven point five. Uh, matched by an employer W-2 or 15% of your income and into a fund. And um, if we've done that for 10 years or 40 quarters, it doesn't have to be consecutive. It makes us eligible for Medicare part A. That's the A, Apple. And uh, that's primarily hospitalization. And I'll come back to that. Now, that, if you had to pay that premium today and you had never paid into it, you can. If you're a citizen for five years, you can pay that premium and it's about $450 a month. So you've paid into that and that's something that Medicare is not going to ask you for. And then there is um, a part B. So I'm going to just take it a little differently, as in Bravo, that's the B letter. And um, I'll come back to the timeline in just a second. So I'll stick to the A and B. And that comes with the premium when you enroll. And this year, it's $148.50, and that changes from year to year. So that's a monthly premium, which gives you your building blocks, your Medicare building blocks, A and B. But let's go back to timelines. So if we have have, uh, put 10 years or 40 quarters and and we're eligible, when we turn that magic number 65, um, Medicare says we can flip the switch and move into Medicare. Well, the law actually requires it. You can no longer be on individual health care. You have to actually leave and terminate your individual plan and move into Medicare. And they give you seven months in which to figure it out. And that's really not a long period of time. It sounds like it, but it's not. And so three months before your birth month, the month of your birth month, and three months after, you you start by enrolling in Part B with Social Security. And boy, has it been a challenge the last couple of years during COVID because you couldn't talk to anybody. You couldn't go to Social Security and show up. And it's been one of the most challenging events of of my tenure and and for people in this space. So you're in good company. Um, Or if you remain employed and you have something called credible coverage, means you're part of an employer-sponsored plan, you can remain on your employer plan and you do not have to enroll in Medicare Part A and B. You have A automatically and or B. Um, and you remain covered with credible Part D coverage, prescription drug coverage primarily is what they're looking for. Um, that's equal to or better than Medicare. And I won't get down into the clinical side of that, but there's six major classes of medications that have to be covered under Part D. And, um, and if those classes are covered, it's considered credible. Um, and, and so those, those are the enrollment periods. If you have in-stage renal disease or Lou Gehrig's disease or some of those things, there's early entry, or if you've been disabled, medically disabled for two years, And on the 25th month, you can enter Medicare prior to turning 65. So those are some of the other ways to acquire Medicare. So um, if we don't take action, Ron, (laughs) the government is punitive, if we haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) And and so they have an incentive program. And they charge you 1% per month on the national average for part D as in Delta. So now we're gonna talk about the D word, A, B, and D. And if you don't enroll in your D during that credible time, you start earning a 1% per month on the national average of $35 with the 10% penalty annually. Now that doesn't seem like much, it's $3.50 on average. And for part B as in Bravo, if you don't enroll, it's a 1% per month, 10% annually penalty. And that's on whatever the premium is for the year. And this year it's $148.50. So that would be about $14 in change for a penalty. Now, if you decide you need to enroll, and most people say, well, I don't take any medications, why do I need it? Or um, I'll just, I'll just, you know, go without it for. Until I need it. Well, when they discover they need it, um, well, one, you can't get it. You have to wait for the open enrollment period that comes around between October 15th and December 7th to enroll for a January one effective. So you might be caught needing some medications and needing to come out of pocket. That's even scarier than the penalty. And then for Part B, they have something called the general election period, if this hasn't gotten complicated enough already. We have to wait till January 1 to March 31st to enroll in Part B, and they don't allow it to be effective until July 1st of that year. So if you've dropped out, you can go 18 months after you realize you had made a mistake without any health care coverage. And be responsible for the entire cost of your health care out of pocket. And two people just told me this week they got their bills for their surgeries, and one was 148,000, and the other was 123,000 for simple surgeries. So that's not what Medicare pays, but that's the bill that they receive, right? There's this assignment. So here's the problem with the punitive penalties. They assess those penalties, not like a speeding ticket. The last speeding ticket I got, I ran a rolling California, we call it. You come to the stop sign, you don't quite stop, and you go through it. And it just so happens I didn't look left to see my neighborhood police officer sitting right there waiting for guys like me to roll stop signs. And uh, they pulled me over, and I tried to talk my way out of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I got a $105 roll in the red speeding ticket. And I said, Boy, that's a fresh reminder. And I won't do that again. And I tend to stop more frequently than I do, than I roll. And <laughs> <laughs> but with Medicare, when they issue your speeding ticket for not having Part D and B, you pay that penalty every single month for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So if you go for 10 years without part D that's $35 and if you go 10 years with your part B well that's $140 and so that's nearly 175 dollars $80 that they you actually pay every single month the rest of your life it's a it's it's a rough one so we encourage it's people it's a racket but get, it's a racket to get that information <laughs> um, sorry often and early yeah it's rough so hopefully that answered some of your question and now i'm going to come over to part c i told joe i wanted to hold up a little diagram i'm going to tell you that this little diagram is the best that i've ever seen i don't know if you can see it Mm -hmm. Um, but that a and b i talked about is that red white blue card you see right there that's your. That's the card that you receive when you enroll. Yeah. And then Medicare actually has simplified the process. You're going to see two options. Medicare is private uh, partnered with private insurance companies. And you go down two paths after you have that part A and B. One is to stay on A and B and supplement it with a Medicare supplement, which you pay a premium for. And it either covers some or all of your medical expenses. Mm. That's quite nice. And they call that portable health care. You can go anywhere Medicare is offered in the United States. And, and um, they're <laughs> accepting patients and get your health care. And then you have that Part D, that pesky Part D we talked about. Let me see if I can point to it right there. And you add that. And it's everything's all a cart on the menu. A and B, your supplement, and Part D. And you choose one based on in California, we have about 25 of them to choose from. It's all based on the medications that you take or don't take. Yeah. And then the other path is Medicare. Uh oh, here's that other letter Part C. Uh, (laughs) So Part C um, is everything. Bundled up together, all of that pushed into one program. I like—I like like to call it all inclusive. Uh, I like vacationing where you just show up and you show up at the Smorgies board, and and you can get your Virgin margarita or your your meal, and you know use the pool, and you're not paying for everything. They just bundle it up. You get one card. And, um, and then they add additional benefits that Medicare does not cover. Original Medicare covers only what Medicare covers. And then these companies compete for your business. And their goal is to add benefits. And I'm not kidding you. They'll, they have dog sitting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they have food, food cards, gym membership. vision eyewear uh transportation you name it they put it in there um and the goal is to put you in what we call managed care now i know the doctors got questions here because i got questions for them (laughs) and they they put you in a managed care program um to help um you get in and get preventatives and everything that will keep you out of the hospital. That's the goal. And that's where you choose a doctor. you work within a medical group, and you use their their group of pharmacies. So, so did that help explain the A, the B, the D and the C and the penalties and when you sign up that was a that was some loaded questions there Ron. We, we got about it's much, it's much uh, got better than, about, this than the whole
2: book i got is that called medicare and you <laughs> yeah. the encyclopedia we,
1: we call that together we are, together we are confused
0: oh my we That's got about uh, we got about oh probably five or six minutes five six minutes um Craig Tanker, you there? You know, I've got the little signs up, so I can't see you, but you're behind the airplane, I think.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the interesting part of C is, which I've never noticed been Part C, is the ACA, the Accountable Care Act by Obama, and that's created this Part C. So it's called Population Health Management, Death Squads, blah, 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 20,000 pages of, you know, written stuff that no one looked at for sure. But um, I mean, there were some good things in that. The, the portability of insurance doesn't matter what you have; you can still go whether you're over sixty-five or under sixty-five. But in the medical community, that what that is 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 in, let's say a county has fifty thousand Medicare patients. They're going to take five percent of that or a percentage. The first time they're going to take a shot at this is a group of physicians to try and manage those people. And what the management is. They give you benchmarks like, or dashboards. So for diabetes, it's doing A1Cs every three months, or for colon screening, you make sure 50 or older, males are screened, or they've had a family history of cancer. Breast mammograms, ultrasound. So the certain diseases are very well picked and have very strict, um, and it's how well you do that you get money back as a, a physician group, uh, the better you do. so. So it's kind of a game at managing health populations, which is funny because, I mean, way back, probably 15 years ago, the insurance industry went into mangled care, I mean managed care, where they, they made it. The doctors at risk, the bean counters, the, the private insurances said, we're going to give you this many dollars for all those patients and you guys just figure out how to divide it. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Talk about a complex, Right. Well, I don't want to see that person. I'm not going to get paid for it, right? So that's horrible. But money, money drives people to do things, right? So, so my input to this would be, like I've said before, what she does and I help do saves more lives than what I do as a surgeon. So I put out fires. I treat people with their perforated diverticulitis or appendicitis, trauma from a gunshot wound or a car accident. Um, just things that were preventable completely, or at least maybe delayed. So what our coaching program does is take away these diseases like diabetes, multiple two, not one, that's a genetic, genetic problem. So, so I would say genetically probably 40% of what we, we get is, you know, determined by your genes, but then that can be exponentiated by our behavior. And then there's socioeconomic, socioeconomic and other behavioral things that alter how what well we do for longevity. So um, this program takes these people. I mean, it eliminates, high, we've had people on hypertensive meds. They're gone and, and, and overweightness helps breed, feed cancer. Um, you know, you look at the top five CDC causes for death. Every single one of them is in this health program, even the third one, which is trauma. Those people were altered. They're not motor vehicle accidents anymore. They're collisions because someone in that accident was drunk or altered. And it's not an accident anymore. It's a predictable phenomenon because they were altered. So this program looks at those things, but it it would alter healthcare in America and the world dramatically if, if physicians would take a grasp of this program and give people to these coaches that hold these people accountable, which is probably the key ingredient. So, yeah, that's my important. Well, Stephen,
0: I was going to say, I think there's two subjects that people don't like talking about. Well, probably taxes also, but I was going to say health, which is what I do, and insurance. Nobody <laughs> or budget, right? Nobody wants to talk about these things or address it, but they're going to affect every single person. You either deal with it now or you deal with it later,
3: right? And I got to say, I love your heart because you're doing it like we're doing it because we're helping mankind. Each individual life we touch has benefited. And you know, as these older people get really old, they're, they're like childlike. Their memory goes, they're afraid of technology, and you're there to, to, to save those people from making mistakes. I love that.
2: Yeah. Boy, I, 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 got, I, I got a uh, ditto with that, that one also. The, the number of scams and creatures <laughs> involved in this stuff when we were dealing with my, my mother-in-law is absolutely mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. absolutely mind-boggling i i what? it's only by the grace of god i didn't go to jail <laughs> we'd have got you
0: run. we'd have sprung you <laughs> you know you know we need another hour you got to come back next week <laughs> we need another hour but oh. uh i we've got the, i got the one and a half minute sign coming at oh. me which means uh the dark comes through and scratches me in the nose if i'm not careful Stephen. but uh steven we appreciate your testimony there now you we done. know just like like tank dr thayer tank said uh, and uh, stephanie this is where your heart is this this is why god was preparing you to use you this way you've helped me i don't have time you've helped me incredibly so uh i just i want to thank you we want to thank you and uh we're gonna have to schedule you again i mean what's what's you know you got plenty of time
1: (laughs) (laughs) honestly i i knew this this could really you know it could go a lot of different directions but i want to ditto what the thayers are saying yeah. Um, 50, A part of what I see is 50%, let's just put it this way, 50% of the, the expense of Medicare are medications, prescription mm-hmm. drugs. And it blew my mind as I, one of the things that I do is I do physician research, medical group research, prescription research, and cost analysis. That's my job and to, and to educate and walk people through it. Well, I see the same medications being issued in the same dosage in the same quantities over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm thinking, how could the same people need the same medication? There's something wrong here. Yeah. And so that's where 50% of all, the, all our Medicare dollars are going is in medication costs. And, and it's got to change. Something has to change in this area. Besides all the predators, we can talk all about that, man. I, I rescue people. That's what we do all day long is rescue people from the predators. That's right. that's and um, that's that's what we do. We pull them out of the jaws of of people who don't have their best interest in mind. I'm not kidding you. Yeah, I have to temper my anger because, man, I want to reach through and And grab people sometimes, but I'll I'll give you an example. Um, I got
0: only got fifteen seconds. Oh my goodness!
1: Okay, well
0: we're going to have to roll back with this. They're going to cut us off. Gotta come back now. Okay, they gotta come back. (laughs) They gotta come back. back. All in favor of him coming back? Raise your right hand. (laughs) Okay, we'll get this real quick. I'll get a hold of him tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) thanks so much, Stephen. God bless you and keep you and everybody listening in tonight. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we tell you, the people we bring this is another great man of God right here and this is a man we want to talk more with you about later so we'll do that again real soon thanks Hank. thanks Jeff thanks Paul God uh, bless you Ron okay thanks guys we'll yeah, see you guys. later okay see you talk to you later Stephen yeah. bye friends thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations we profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous But most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.